0: You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Red Shirts and Runabouts, the Star Trek podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your regular host, Derek, known as the Star Trek Dude, and I have with me my two wonderful recurring guest hosts who are joining me on the ten-episode trek through Star Trek's new animated universe, Star Trek Lower Decks. Those people are Zach, hey, and Ray.
2: What up?
1: What up, indeed. Uh, this week, this is our ninety-ninth episode here on Red Shirts and Runabouts, and for our ninety-ninth episode, we are reviewing and discussing Star Trek: Lower Decks episode four, Moist Vessel, which <laughs> is the seven hundredth and eighty-second episode of Star Trek, which is a crazy number, but it is in
2: this series. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh according to Memory Alpha, start date eight point nine, for those who are keeping track at home.
0: I wasn't, but but I can pretend. Good, good. That's that's what yes, I want to hear. Yes,
2: yes, I, I monitor that daily.
0: <laughs> Before we
1: get started though, not a lot of Star Trek news to really talk about here this week. Um we do have a little bit from Alex Kurtzman on the section thirty-one series. Basically, he said that uh, Michelle Yao, that was her idea, actually. She came to Kurtzman before Star Trek Discovery season one even premiered and talked to him about doing something with Giorgio. That she loves Giorgio and she wanted to do more with Giorgio. And of course, obviously, spoiler alerts for Star Trek Discovery, but we get more Giorgio. And now we're going to get the Section 31 show. And what's interesting here is. Kurtzman kind of alludes to maybe this Section 31 show isn't what a lot of us have been guessing. A lot of us have guessed, you know, it, it'll just be the okay, more spoilers for Discovery. I apologize. But this is going to be the Mirror Universe Emperor, Giorgio, who joins Section 31. Right. And it'll be a show about her and it'll either take place in the distant future with season, you know, where season three of Discovery is or they'll end up back home in a a more normal time period. And that's where it'll take place. But, you know, Kurtzman's kind of alluding to maybe that's not not the case. Um, You know uh, what? I guess here would be my question. If anything, what would you want to see from this show?
0: Oof. I don't know, um, and I mean, and, and just like we've talked about last week with Lower Decks, I hold this show to a different standard because um, for me, like right now, Discovery and a little bit of card are the flagships. And so, you know, I'm, I'm easier on Lower Decks than I would be um, simply because it's something different. It's the animated feature before the, the, the main film. And um, so with uh, uh, the Section 31 show, I mean, I hope it gets a little darker and I hope it makes the fanboys angry and causes them to cry this isn't my Star Trek because why not? Like you've got so many Trek shows right now to explore different facets of this universe. Why not go somewhere that uh maybe boldly go somewhere we haven't been before, if uh-huh. I may. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so and I don't even necessarily have to like it. I just want it to be something different because I think. In the late 90s, we hit a saturation point where there was too much Trek. We had multiple movies, we had multiple shows, and I think that everything was kind of samey and it, it saturated the market. And then we went through a drought for a while because just the industry and I think fans were kind of tired of the same old stuff. So if Trek is going to thrive the way the MCU has thrived, for example, then we need to be exploring different corners of this mythology. So I hope it's a little weird. I hope it's something different and unique and, and still Star Trek, but I hope it, you know, makes me question things a bit. And that's what Section 31's always done anyways. Ray, what
1: about you? Is there anything you want to see from a Section 31 show starring Giorgio in some form?
2: Well, honestly, like they, I want to see Section 31 fleshed out because the very little that I've seen of Section 31 at this time, they've kind of used them as different things. I've seen them being used as an espionage, uh, group. I've seen them be used as, you know, bodyguards and enforcers. And so really just pinpointing what they're used for would be perfect, their purpose. And I think that wasn't ever going to be done unless they had their own show. And then secondly, uh, if they go the espionage way, then, I kind of want this to be like a Jason Bourne meets Star Trek kind of situation because uh, like Zach was saying, a lot of what we've seen has been sanitized uh, to fit Roddenberry's kind of vision. And there's nothing wrong with that if it's coming from a strictly Starfleet point of view. But now that, you know, Section 31 has been added into the canon by many different directors. We know that it's not completely sanitized. So this is a chance to get down and dirty.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely able to do more mature content on all access and we've, we've already seen that in both Picard and discovery and you know lower decks of course is a little bit brighter they are bleeping out their curse words and things like that so uncomfortable
0: they're doing that
1: i'd rather just hear the
0: cuss words
1: it's a little weird since like the other shows aren't bleeping them out
0: Mm -hmm. right
1: on the same network or
0: service even with the bleeped out swear words like this is not a kid's show so i don't know what their motive is for bleeping it out
2: i think it's to add a little bit of extra humor in there uh, because i always kind of giggle when they do it it's totally involuntary and it doesn't make any sense to me but there's I a moment like it. that in
0: this episode that we're going to talk about tonight that was yes yeah. nice. it, it made me laugh it was almost funnier not knowing what words they used, though i could kind of figure it out <laughs> yeah ray and i thought they meant two different
1: things so oh,
0: well that we'll have to discuss that then yeah
1: so we'll get yes to that. we'll get to that for sure um so one thing I want to point out is we've been doing polls on Twitter and in our Facebook group, the Red Shirts and Runabouts Facebook group, uh, just kind of grading these episodes for lower decks as we go. And because of the time frame where we turn around these episodes, I don't have the results of the polls by the time we record. So those are a little lagged when we talk about them here. And I just wanted to throw out that episode three, Temporal Edict on Twitter, 35, almost 36 percent gave it an A and another almost 29 percent gave it an uh, I'm sorry, flip that. 36% gave it a B and an almost 29% gave it an A the D or lower portion though was larger with over 21% giving it a D or lower, which I thought was a little surprising given people have kind of overall thought that each episode was slightly better than the one before. And just kind of like thinking back to last week, why do you think it has a little bit more on the low ends? Do you think anything in particular causes people to kind of, dislike this one stronger than the first two
0: yeah i don't know i mean i i actually enjoyed this one a little bit more because i feel like starting to kind of find its footing and we're starting to learn more about these characters and their relationships and you know i'm not without complaints by any means but um that's a good question um i think if anything maybe this is the first time where um it was more action heavy it was less lower decks heavy like the the A plot was the A plot for the the bridge crew as well, kind of uh, because the B plot in and of itself brought one of the lower decks characters into the bridge crew. Um, So it was less lower decks focused and, and, and it felt, honestly, it felt more like a, just a shorter TNG episode. Like I could have seen this as TNG or Voyager um, because of the way the plot went.
1: That's fair. Now it's, here's one possibility. I'm wondering, if maybe it had to do with more of the anti New Trek type fans because in our group, which is a little more, you know, locked down, it's not open to the public, it's a private group, it was nobody gave it a D or lower in our poll. Right. And I finally hit some friction this week with the anti New Trek crowd uh. <laughs> on twitter i uh and i want this is the next topic i want to talk about for you with you guys but i asked the twitter verse and in in our facebook group as well what are your top three favorite star trek films didn't matter the order yeah just what are your top three favorite star Trek films and the it was interesting so uh on the positive side i saw a lot of people put the voyage home in their top three, which felt really good because it's a very, like, kind of feel good, fun, light hearted movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, you know, there was a lot of the the more, uh, not stereotypical answers necessarily, but more common answers of The Wrath of Khan, The Undiscovered Country, First Contact. Those three usually are in everybody's list, at least one of them is. Um, mm-hmm. And there were a handful of people that were basically like, if you include a Kelvin film or you don't include Wrath of Khan, you're wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that. And and on the Facebook group, at least, the three of us in this podcast uh, have the same top three films. We did. How weird is that? Yeah. So, so our top we, three. We don't always agree on Star Trek or anything.
2: Yeah. <laughs> or true. anything. Or anything. So,
1: Ray, what are your top three favorite Star Trek films?
2: So you want me to say all of our top three? (laughs) That's what you're doing. (laughs) Whatever
1: your order. Well, is the order the same for all
2: three of us, too? Probably not.
1: Okay. So then what's yours?
2: Undiscovered Country, First Contact, Beyond.
1: Okay. Okay. Zach, what's your order to
0: yours? Oh, man. Um, I hadn't thought about it before now, but I guess I would have to say... same undiscovered contact or undiscovered country, first contact, undiscovered contact. That's cool. yeah, undiscovered country, first contact, and then beyond in that order. Yeah, so I'm, I'm so a sli-
2: oh, chronological. chronological,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm the order sl- in which I see that I saw them and fell in love with them.
1: There you go. I'm slightly different. I have first contact and then undiscovered country before and beyond, but mm-hmm. I do really think it's interesting that the three of us who uh have fairly different star trek backgrounds still picked not only the same three movies but it's also th- the three different casts essentially yeah. it's three different yeah. eras mm-hmm. so to speak which is kind of not on, I, I didn't do that on purpose or anything like that so i don't know thought that was interesting
0: the best of the three casts
1: mm, that's fair that's fair uh but yeah so lots of interesting so i did have somebody just one person i had uh how many people responded to me here? Like 70 something people on Twitter, 75 responses on Twitter, let alone Facebook. But one person did say The Final Frontier, Star Trek mm. 5. And uh, wow. yeah, yeah. Which was uh, and there, were, there was a couple of people who said Nemesis as well. So I liked that while those movies may not be my favorite Star Trek films, I certainly don't hate them. And it's nice yeah. to know that like they really resonate with some people. For for whatever reason, um, I for one sure. love the camping scenes in Final <laughs> Frontier. I think they're wonderful.
0: I love the camping scenes, and and that movie has the single best moment that Bones has on screen um, in any movie or TV episode at all. Like that was brilliant uh, when he's he gets to say goodbye to his father and like face that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I, I don't even hate the scene with with Shatner saying I need my pain. Like that was, that was a, for Shatner, that was a really well acted scene.
1: I think everything that happens in that whole scene, that whole room, I think is really good.
0: Very profound.
1: You know, um, for me, yeah, so like some of the areas where it falls apart are more like budgetary problems. Yeah. You know, or like just kind of like odd decisions, like the ship falling apart never made sense to me.
0: The extra decks on the ship. Yeah, um, uhura like being the sex appeal at the age of whatever um, not that you can't be sexy at whatever age it <laughs> was just it was an it. awkward scene it was it was, just, <laughs> it was an awkward scene she's a beautiful woman i love her and admire her greatly but it was just the scene was not shot well
2: It's incredibly out of place because that's something they've never done with her before. Honestly, like just watching the original series, I always felt that she was incredibly beautiful and sexy, but they still gave her like a little more meat than some of the other women. I always figured Yeoman Rand was there for sex appeal more than Uhura was, but Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I guess Shatner kissed her and was like, I'm going to force her to be naked guys. Sorry. (laughs)
1: She wasn't yeah. naked. <laughs> no, I know she wasn't. I know it
2: was supposed to be implied. She wasn't actually naked on set or anything, but it was supposed to be implied that she was not wearing as many clothes as she usually does. That's all.
0: But a lot of feathers. A lot a of lie. feathers, yeah. Uh, but
1: in our Facebook group, where we did the poll as well, and you know, be, Twitter restricts you to just four poll options. So this was more of just a comment type thing. But in the Facebook group, we could actually do a poll with all 13 options. And I thought it was interesting that... Final Frontier, Nemesis, and Into Darkness, none of them got a single vote for a top three. <laughs> yeah. um, which, I mean, those are the bottom three for me. Y- you know, so I mean, I'm fine with it. But
0: but <laughs> I We've discussed this before. I am alone in this camp. I think that the Kelvin movies get better as they go on. I, I, I like the first one. I like 2009 less and less every time I watch it. Whereas Into Darkness, uh, I, I'm like, among our friend group, I may be the only... Uh, into darkness apologist, but that's okay. I'll carry that torch. Yeah. Not to go on a tangent,
1: but you know what movie I like less every time I watch it? It's X-Men. not not, it's not
2: total tangent.
0: It is a total tangent. Seven. Oh no. i yeah. yeah. I've only yeah. seen it the one time. So good to know I don't need to watch it again. Thank you. <laughs> I am f- make making note time, of the diminishing returns.
1: It's kind of like profound the first time. And then every time you watch yeah. it you're like no it's not like, <laughs>
0: yeah, there are but, movies like that where once you know what's coming it's no longer profound there's also a subcategory of those movies where once you know what's coming it's maybe almost a little bit better the second time because you can see different things and then third fourth fifth time it's just shit so um
1: but that's a total tangent it's not even Star Trek yeah, related no um all right so we, we but we need to move on of course to our main topic which is moist vessel yeah, that's me that moisture episode <laughs> <laughs> unless there's it. is there anything else anybody wants to add to the top three star trek films conversation no okay
0: all right no, no. we all agree it'd be a really boring conversation well i just figured i'd
1: ask but we'll take yeah. a short break and when we come back we'll be talking about star trek lower decks episode four moist vessel All right, and we are back to talk Moist Vessel. I'm just going to keep
0: saying it because it's a ridiculous <laughs> title. How many times can we say that in one episode? If you're watching at home, this is a drinking game. You need to take a shot every time Derek says Moist Vessel. And hopefully you're still alive here in 45 minutes.
1: Uh, this is funny. Exam um, dork. <laughs> so, so, so episode four of Star Trek Lower Decks uh, premiered today which is August 27th, 2020. As I said earlier, it's the 782nd episode of Star Trek, the franchise in general. Of course, uh, this episode currently is sitting at a 7.3 on IMDb, which is pretty good um, compared to the rest of season one. The rest of season one has kind of taken a pretty big hit with the first episode having a 6.2 and episodes two and three being a 6.4. So 7.2 is a pretty good jump for for Moist Vessel. The show as a whole is definitely not not being perceived particularly well. It's a 5.6, which I think is a little harsh. Um, but how did you guys feel about this one? This one was a little more streamlined, a little more action-packed. What would you think? Ray, let's start with you
2: oh all right i this has been my favorite episode before and i it, it continues to be like that i like each episode a little bit more and more uh if anybody has listened to the podcast last three episodes they know that i have a huge issue with mariner just being a dick the entire time and still coming out on top so this time it was pretty great that not only was she just being messed with constantly by her own mother, but she uh, ended up pulling through and working with her mom too. So she's, this episode had me like, not just tolerating her, but you know, she grew on me a bit. And then Tendi was wonderful. And, uh, not really Rutherford. He wasn't really in this episode a lot. Uh, and Boymler was kind of funny. You know, he just wants to get ahead so badly. And he keeps messing up that poor little bastard.
1: <laughs> Zach, what about you? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it a little bit more than I have the previous three. Uh, I feel like the character relationships are starting to develop. And that's fun to watch. Um, I agree with everything Ray is saying. Also, in between us filming last week's episode and us filming this week's episode, I finally got around to watching The Boys, so uh, I uh, put two and two together that uh, Boimler, played by Jack Quaid, is one of the main characters in The Boys,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, almost the same character, to be perfectly honest. Like,
2: <laughs> um, That's so great.
0: I enjoy him, but he, not a lot of range that we've seen thus far. Um, so, so that made me, I don't know, I maybe liked Boimler a little bit more, but also he was like less in the forefront, and so he was, his character was maybe less uh, annoying. Uh, again, Tendi is a perfect little snowflake, and I adore her, and, and she's my favorite part of the show to date. But yeah, I really love the relationships, and I love Mariner and her mom and that whole conflict. Uh, that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, this was definitely my my favorite episode so far. I think it was just firing on all cylinders. It basically felt like they found their rhythm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And the yeah, the the relationship moments between Mariner and Freeman, her mom, are just the best parts of this episode. They're really great. They play off of each other really well, which is not an easy thing to do in animation. Let alone, you know, it's hard to do in real life. It's also hard, harder to do in animation. Especially because they may not have even been recording in the same place, you know? Yeah. Um, I just thought that was really great. So I thought that overall, this was a very, very Star Trek episode,
0: mm-hmm. right? The whole
1: the whole plot is just super Star Trek. You know, everything about it. We How many times have we seen, like, there's a derelict ship that we found floating in space. And we probably shouldn't touch it, but let's go ahead. And, you know, like, that whole thing. Is, it's just, that's a Star Trek thing that's done i don't know if i would go so far as to call it a trope but it's a thing that's done and all, everything about it worked out uh it was nice to see a tellerite our, our tellerite captain which is something we don't get much of in star trek you know most of the shows have kind of ignored the tellerites not like that they exist but just haven't really brought them on the show very much
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know uh, it's something I've, I've really noticed a lot but i thought that that was really cool so let's let's dive let's dive into things let's dive into it. Um, I am really glad that the episode goes where it does because when we start things off with Mariner mocking the whole meeting with the yawns and everything like that, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. Yep. I was like, like, really? Are we doing this already? Because like I felt like it's just it's a little too much. And so yep. I'm glad the rest of the episode saves it. But you got you guys felt the same way. Absolutely. Okay. I thought maybe it was I was being overly sensitive about it or something like that.
0: But. No, I, I I was like immediately like, oh god, am I gonna hate this episode? Is this where I decide I hate this show? Like I've been super open minded for this whole time, and I was like, oh, is this gonna ruin it for me? But but it didn't.
2: Yeah, I agree. I wanted to. I didn't like the opening scene because of my main criticism with the movie. I don't like when the one of the characters we're supposed to love and connect with is just a constant dick and there's no repercussions. Like so far she, she has saved everybody and it is uh, pretty unsatisfying. So when they started that off, I was like, Oh, well, what, what a jerk like (laughs) this. You're only in the room for 30 seconds and you yawned four times.
0: Yeah. I
1: liked the punishments that, you know, her mom came up with and Ransom helped <laughs> come up with. Um because I thought they were they were pretty clever, but also it showed a side of Captain Freeman that helps support why Mariner is the way that she is right mm-hmm. that her her own mother is not really the greatest starfleet officer in the world. She's not a great captain, she doesn't appear to be a great mother and Mariner because has, has been brought up in that lifestyle. And so she's not a great officer either. She's not the world's best person and maybe they're getting better. Right? Especially over the course of the episode, but um you know, I appreciated Mariner's ability to try and actually and find fun in some of these tasks that she was set up with. Um, and that leads us to something we had mentioned earlier, which is the holodex, which I assume is the scene you were talking about, Zach.
0: Yes. The, the, the famous bleep scene. And apparently the two of you disagreed on what was said. So we should probably recap what, what the, the quote was with bleeps and then fill in the blanks like a mad lib.
1: Uh, put me on the spot. I don't know that I have the quote in front of me. Okay.
2: So Derek thought it was a sex thing and I thought it, I thought it was like a poop thing. I was like, are people really pooping in the holodeck? Because honestly, like when I learned that people poop in dressing rooms, it yeah. it like really angered me because I <laughs> never thought about that. If there's no toilet, you don't do it. <laughs> and Well, they can
1: make a holographic toilet. <laughs> I did find I... the quote. I've got the quote here for us for Zach's okay. little game. It's quote. I've got her emptying blank out of the holodex blank filter to which she replied, Oh, people really use it for that. Oh yeah. It's mostly that.
0: (laughs) I thought thought it was sex related. Same. I thought it was filtering (laughs) come out of the sex filter.
1: Oh God.
2: (laughs) Now that is totally more believable for me because to be completely honest, like that's what it comes off as. And I feel uh, like I've, uh, I feel like the uh, DS9 crew does so much work to maintain that it's for entertainment and casual like reenactments and stuff. But I mean, honestly. Not God. Quark.
0: Quark is willing to pimp it out as whatever you want it he to be. He
2: is. He is. He is. But, like, if Derek and I were uh, on a Star Trek ship, like, I can imagine we'd use that thing at least once a week to just, you know, have some really weird times.
1: Apparently, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's alluded to a lot, though, right? I mean. Yes. T- Rey-
0: Riker gets freaky
1: in there. Tuvok uses it at one point on Voyager Mm -hmm. because he goes through Ponfar while they're stranded in the Delta Quadrant, you know, so we we know that it has been used for that by the end of Voyager's run. I mean,
2: the the Orville has something very similar and it's called out within the first season, like five or Mm -hmm. six episodes and the uh, one of the guys has a porn addiction.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, Riker spends a lot of time in the holodeck playing uh, trombone for some pretty ladies, and I don't think he stops after he's done with his trombone solo. Like, I think <laughs> he introduces him <laughs> to another trombone, and oh things get God. a little weird. Wow. All right. Okay. We we know Riker's uh, Riker's sexual tastes are are seldom satiated. Yes. <laughs> Very, very much in line with Captain Kirk, but maybe a little bit weirder, to be honest. So, so yeah, so
1: that's one of the tasks that she has to do. Uh, There's, of course, lubing the two, the turbo lift and then uh, cleaning the carbon filters, which honestly, that job didn't really seem bad. It's just pointing a phaser at a rectangle. Didn't really seem like a a real difficult job. The other two jobs seemed like more like dirtier jobs, you know, that
0: one seemed fun, to be honest. Right, like there's a satisfaction in, like, cleaning off an old greasy pan. Not a cast iron skillet, but, like, an old greasy pan.
1: But they're using phasers, too, so it's not even like they have to work really
0: hard. Oh, no, yeah, they're not scrubbing. And they make right? a game out of it? Like, who, why is, why is Mariner the first one to think of making a game out of it? Like, that that seems unlikely.
2: Right.
1: I don't know. I, th- I think it makes sense because she doesn't really take things seriously until it's, like, a life or death situation. That's right? fair. And, and so she's bored. She doesn't want to be doing this. She thinks it's weird. She's been assigned it. So what's she going to do? She's not going to take it seriously. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Um, did, did, I don't know. I asked Ray this when we were, I mentioned this when we were watching it, but like, did you recognize the alien woman that she's doing that with? Like, did you recognize her species at all? I did not. Okay. I didn't either. Yeah. All right. Well, I just figured I'd ask. Um, so of course, we have Tendi's story, which she is excited because she gets a chance to watch an ascension, which Lieutenant O'Connor is apparently performing, played by, voiced by Haley Joel oh, Osment, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Um, and yeah, yeah. So they, she goes in. It's it's this big ceremony. I there's a mistake in that scene, by the way, that I have to call out because I can. Um, when Tindy enters the quarters and you get a shot from, uh, like towards the doorway and you can see some of the people sitting around, there is a woman officer whose com badge is on the wrong side of her uniform. And when they cut back later after, after Tindy's like started making a ruckus, it's in the correct spot.
0: Totally missed that.
1: Yeah. Yep. It's kind of like how on DS nine, when they first switched uniforms to the the movie era, uniforms mm-hmm. cisco's badge is in the wrong it's it's too high it's up in the gray instead of on the black for a couple of episodes yeah but it's it's only his it's nobody else's <laughs> so just i gotta i gotta throw that out there for the for the animators or whatever i don't know if they did it on purpose to see if anybody would notice or if it was just a mistake but
0: i noticed <laughs>
1: so.
0: your boy derek saw it that's right you thought you'd get away with it but you were wrong <laughs>
1: Uh, but what'd you guys think of the whole Ascension concept in the storyline? Were you surprised the person was human? Did you expect a different kind of alien? Like what was going through your head?
0: I mean, I expected I maybe an alien. I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it'd be something more alien and unique than just a human. Uh, I wasn't surprised and I was relieved when it was just some dude who was like lying to get, cause that was his thing. Cause he was trying to distinguish himself. Like I thought that was pretty funny. And, and this is, again, not something we see a lot in Star Trek because we're used to seeing crews who are just the best, the best. We're not used to seeing everyone else who's maybe trying to get there. Um, and so that was funny. Uh, and I, I, I liked him and Tendi's plot. I liked that they kind of both connected on like a – and this is this is going to rustle a lot of old core Trek fans' feathers, but um, I like that they bonded over like this really – flawed human characteristic of, of trying to make other people like them uh, I thought that was cool and I think that like the enthusiasm with which Tendy recognizes that and embraces it and is excited about it um, it's so it's a weird like it's antithetical to Trek for that to be a, a comp for that to be a thing that they would bond over and yet her enthusiasm to own like oh my gosh we have the same character flaw we're best friends now and, and to embrace that and to be open-minded about that and to like make peace with her own her own baggage and to be loving and accepting of that when she sees it in someone else as opposed to combative like that's beautiful, beautiful. That, that's that's a, a very trek uh mentality at its core and i like that
1: ray what about you any thoughts about the ascension
2: oh i completely agree i think it's absolutely uh, I, I think it was a really fun plot line because part of me was like, he can't do it, can he? Like, he's he's just messing around. And uh, then it happens that it, that is true. Like, he has not been able to do it. So he, he keeps using excuse after excuse and Tindy is his excuse this time. And uh, like, I know Zach and I have personally struggled with wanting everybody to like us at, at different times. So No. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I was going to say, don't leave me behind right (laughs) here. Like we have had this conversation. We have. We have. Um, So I, I just thought it was cute and their kiss kind of reminded me of what the kiss between. Ray and Kylo was supposed to be how it was just like an expression of excitement and adrenaline at that time. Only this was done way better.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, like okay, okay. So I just thought it was a cute B plotline. I thought the ascension was kind of funny, and especially at the end, we always see these kind of heavenly situations where people become energy or they evolve and it's painless and beautiful and this this poor man you know literally his old his corporeal body is being burned and
0: yeah so, so that was kind tw- of
2: funny. Oh, okay. this hurts i'm torn on that
1: because on one hand i totally agree with you and i think it's a really funny way to flip the the script on that but mm-hmm. at the, on the other hand i don't know that it makes sense that he ascended Cause, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, he committed one selfless act after like what we've seen as a like a long running character flaw of like being not selfless. Like one of my one of the funniest moments for me in this episode was and I don't remember the exact quote, but it's after Tendy spills the sand and he's like, "the the sand is supposed to symbolize how fucking calm I've been my entire life," and like he's angry and yelling while he's saying it, and and that to me it just made me laugh out loud, and I, and I didn't get that quote exactly right, but um i liked yeah. that moment and so it's hard for me to believe that like he demonstrates one selfless act and then all of a sudden like he's ascending well, a problem
2: uh, i sorry i don't mean to interrupt but the problem is that he he was cool enough and he kissed one of our main characters that if he's not in the next few episodes you know we're gonna kind of miss him we're gonna be like where's uh, o'connell o'connor yeah Yeah, where's connor and so they had to do something i agree that it doesn't make any sense but well
1: because it's also it's a selfless act that not only does tendy also perform within the same basic scene Mm -hmm. but star trek characters perform all the time Right. You know, and so, yes, but I think you're right, right? They had to come up with something to do with the character. But I also suppose she could have just like dated the dude for a little bit. I don't know if that would have been so bad. And
2: maybe he wouldn't have even been on screen. She could talk about how their relationship was going.
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, if the if I were in the writer's room, I assume the writer's excuse is, well, but he dedicated his life and, like, maybe gained some sort of benefit from, like, the effort. And then the, the act, the selfless act, on top of the year's worth of effort was enough. But, like, again, that, even, that feels like reaching for me because. Yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: So we kind of, so the whole main plot, the whole big A plot is they find an alien vessel that is a generational ship, which we've seen on Star Trek before, but everybody's dead. The cryo are, are, busted. And in s- what the, the cargo is, is a special liquid that when it touches, uh, inanimate matter. So metal, <laughs> a tricorder, right. right. It turns into a life form. It grows into plants. In some cases, plant like explosive bomb thingies. Um, and, this of course is a very volatile substance and two California class starships are tasked to haul the ship. Uh, one of which is the Cerritos and in an act of pettiness, our Tellarite captain on the other ship basically causes an accident that lets this chemical leak out and get picked up by the tractor beams of the two starships. And, the ship's hulls start to transform it's a pretty good star trek plot actually i like it a lot it's pretty it's original Mm -hmm. in that they take they take a common concept in star trek which is this generational ship and the tractor beams and then put a whole new twist on it with this this material that we've never seen any type of terraforming thing like that before it's like the genesis device but as a liquid
0: right yeah that's a that's a good comparison
1: so I loved it. I Indeed. loved that whole concept. I thought it was such a cool idea. And I think that the this is a good example of when animation is the right way to do something. Because mm-hmm. doing this with practical effects or CGI effects in a live action show would have been incredibly expensive and difficult to make look good. right? Yeah. But here they're able to use animation. And so they can do these giant crystals and plants growing all over the place and have the inside of the ship basically be like – you know, have like a waterfall and stuff and have that work and look consistent with the rest of the show. So I love mm-hmm. every bit of it. I thought it was great.
0: It's also uh one of the first well, it's also the first plot in this uh entire series of lower decks, which is only a few episodes where about halfway through, I was genuinely thinking, "I don't know how they're gonna get out of this. like the other plots at this point have been fairly predictable or just simple, uh, but this one's like, I don't know what they're gonna do." And that that was a cool feeling.
1: Yeah, there was that moment where you're like, are they already going to have to get another ship? Yeah. You know, I thought maybe they were going to start making that a running joke because, you know, the Enterprise is destroyed a few times. So there's the Cerritos is going to blow up every like three or four episodes.
0: (laughs) And that'd be fun. The Cerritos could be the like the Kenny if this was South Park's or South Park. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Ray, what'd you think of this plot? Did you you like it or not? I...
2: I actually really loved it to be completely honest because it uh put mariner in her place but at the same time also showcased what she's good at and it uh kind of knocked it, it did the exact same thing for freeman the two of them working together was a really good representation of parents and children and you know not being able to let go not being able to view your child as a capable adult but also not really respecting your parents and like still behaving immaturely as like this rebel so i i thought it was an accurate depiction of parents and kids and Uh, The actual, you know, situation itself seemed very Trek. It was a lot of fun. It would have been incredibly gorgeous and very expensive to do in live action. So I'm glad they were able to pull it off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100%. I I love their time together. Mariner mm-hmm. and Freeman's time together. It's the first time that they've really they've admitted to each other in front of us that they're mother and daughter. It's the first time Mariner has said anything openly about it on the show. And you know, I'm 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 glad that we got some more of that. I'm glad that we got to see those interactions because until now they're just kind of jerks to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I like this this is this is better, this felt more real, and obviously the situation's silly right but the the arguments are are normal petty arguments you know are you sure that's the rock you want to use? I don't think that's the right kind of rock you want to use to be digging. don't you want something sharper? you know the rock's fine, it's just a rock, everything's fine, you know I thought you wanted to go fast, not that fast, right like those are just normal bickering you know kind of conversations, and I like that. I
2: think we've all had parents criticize us pretty intensely before (laughs) so just small things like which rock she picked up felt very familiar
1: zach i have to ask are you are you watching lower decks with your daughters at all
0: i am not so uh i've watched it's a good question i've they've been here while i've watched it a few times and my oldest daughter she's just not interested my youngest daughter who um her and I are a little bit closer just right now because of where they are developmentally. And she really values just being close to me. She'll usually be on her tablet while I'm watching something or playing a video game if we're sharing the same space. Um, and so my youngest daughter has seen more of this show than my oldest. My oldest just like doesn't care, which is weird because she's into cartoons and so she's into Avatar and all these other things. Uh, my youngest daughter, she watches it and she'll occasionally chime in with commentary like and asking questions about it. And I have occasional moments where like, because she she's also very sensitive so like what the first episode she watched with me and uh uh mariner impales boimler's leg with with a uh a bat and she just kind of like cringed and looked at me and she's like it's okay for me to be here (laughs) like kind of a look um well i thought maybe
1: your older daughter was at an age where when she if she saw the interaction between mariner and freeman that she might you know maybe relate to that a little bit
0: right no uh (laughs) i i she was not here today uh i will have them this weekend i may like put it on and see if she wants to like watch with me because i again because i want to rewatch for these uh uniform malfunctions you saw but i would be interested to see it's if just she the would... one. It's just the yeah one. <laughs> right right um but i would be interested interested as well to see if she relates to that uh that tension because i mean heck even when her mom and i were together like that was very much their dynamic was the argument so
1: fair Fair enough. Um, but through all the bickering, right, and the back and forth, then they, they find this, like, mutual respect for each other. And Freeman's proud of Mariner because she she is good at what she does. And I think that's why this episode really s- is sold for me. Because up until mm-hmm. now, we've seen this character who's a great Starfleet officer, but just be completely flippant about the responsibility. And it never made sense why she was on the ship, right? And now you get to see just how good she really is. She knows exactly what she's doing. She can handle herself as good or better than any of the senior officers. And her mom just never really saw that. She knew that the, the potential was there, but she never got to see the rubber meet the road. Yeah. You know, and this is when she gets to see it. And then of course it kind of devolves a little bit at the end because Freeman wants to reward her daughter for being good at this, be you know in the senior staff, stay a Lieutenant and, mariner unfortunately kind of goes back to the same old old behavior so we'll have to kind of see like for me what happens next is really important
0: yeah i mean it was just disappointing and yet not surprising like i was watching the whole time thinking okay what's going to be the event that gets her back onto the lower decks this show is called the lower decks she's one of the main characters she's not going to end up in a command position in episode four um Mm -hmm maybe a few seasons in one of them gets a command position and they have to like at least one of them and they have to like navigate the weird dynamic of their relationship changing. And that would be fun to explore. But like right now for season one, early season one, like we're not going to lose one of our main characters to command.
1: Yeah. I'm totally with you there. I expected Mariner to end up back as an ensign because she would have just asked her mother to send her back to being an ensign. I didn't expect their the lessons that they learned to just kind of be thrown out the window at the end that felt a little re- resetty, which is, you know, a, yes. a complaint some other Star Trek shows have had from time to time. Voyager.
0: <clears throat> um, uh, not, I've not heard that
1: before. <laughs> you know, and look, it's a half hour cartoon and we're on episode four, right? So maybe I'm being overly critical there, but I, I liked where it was going.
0: Sure. I liked to hope that we didn't lose that character development, despite this being kind of a sitcom reset button bottle show format mm-hmm. for now now we do have boimler's story which you know it,
1: i mean maybe is a c plot in a very small way but he of course sees mariner get rewarded in his mind right for her it's a punishment but for him it's a reward for her bad mm-hmm. behavior because he wants to be in the senior staff and, and get promoted and be on the bridge what do you guys think of boimler's story in this episode
2: so i didn't even think it's really a story to be completely honest it just felt like a i mean not even that he was so very little part of this but i feel like he's one of those nice guys can't win nothing's ever easy like i'm gonna be thoroughly punished for doing the rules for following the rules and that that kind of sucks because he is a, a cute little, nice guy, but he learns the wrong lessons every time, <laughs> and he just flat out wants to be promoted, and he doesn't understand exactly what Freeman is doing to Mariner, so he he thinks in the middle of a catastrophe, he should pour. Coffee on Ransom's dick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's pretty funny,
2: though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it totally was. It totally was.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's not much of a story, but you you feel for him though a little bit because he is trying. Maybe he's, I mean he's trying too hard, obviously, but he's trying and he's a good officer. He does his job. He he you know follows orders and he does them well. And he, I think. You know, it must be frustrating to see a colleague of yours like Mariner who was given all of these opportunities and basically, from his perspective, wasted them.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. He has that whole line. He's like, this is everything I ever wanted, and you don't even care, and you've got it. Um, And that was interesting. That's got to be hard for him,
1: you know, to know that she she doesn't want it. She doesn't want the responsibility. She doesn't want that kind of attention or that kind of life, but he does. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and that's probably going to be a common thread throughout the whole show is the battle between the two of them of who who deserves it versus who gets it. You know, yeah, Yeah. I'm not saying Mariner doesn't deserve it. She's obviously incredibly capable. Right. But she doesn't want it. Yeah, that's 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 the key. You know, if you don't want it, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like tapestry. Going back to TNG a little bit, right? When Picard uh, gets to go back in time, thanks to Q, and stop himself from fighting the Nossigans and getting stabbed through the chest and all that kind of stuff, he ceases to be a captain, right? He's an ensign. He's a science officer. He's still the same age, right? He's been an ensign forever. And the the moral of that story was basically that he just didn't try to be better. He didn't try for anything else. He wasn't trying to become a captain. Mm -hmm. And that's Mariner, right? Mariner's not trying to do those things. She'll survive, right she'll she'll make sure that people don't die but that's kind of the extent of it
2: well because she's in starfleet for the adventure to see new worlds to use her brain to get out of dangerous situations she's not in there to climb the corporate ladder she doesn't want people underneath her she doesn't want people to rely on her she just wants to have new memories for herself new adventures And that rubs people the wrong way. We're not used to that as a species and neither Starfleet. Starfleet's like, what do you mean you don't want more? You don't want more responsibility. You don't want more uh, achievements. You don't want people to answer to you at any time. And she's just like, nah, don't really care. And Boimler, on the other hand, wants to captain and admiral and... (laughs) general and ascension and so uh i think putting them both together is probably very frustrating for for both of them you know
1: that's fair well i think we've kind of covered all the major stuff that happens in moist vessel on lower decks this week was there any other thing that occurred or call out or anything else that you wanted to to discuss no no, okay. no, I think I'm
2: good.
1: Yeah. All right. Well then I think that's going to be it for us this week. Overall, I'm very happy with this episode. It sounds like you guys both are too, not to put words in your mouth, but yeah. 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 Verbal yeah. confirmation. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, and that's a good sign. Um, you know, I, I've, I've looked at a couple negative reviews just to kind of see and you know, I mean, look, if you want to hate something, you're going to hate something. But there there's some there's some petty stuff in here. This guy, I just got to bring this up. I I don't know that it's a guy. This person doesn't like that the Tellarite captain used the term terraforming. And I think that's because you have to like if you break down the word, Earth is Terra, right? We're Terrans, right? You've mm-hmm. got Vulcans and Cardassians, we're Terrans. We're not Earthlings in Star Trek. So terraforming is because Earth is Terra, so I think their argument would be that like a tellerite would call it like tel- teller teller forming teller is the name of their planet, so teller forming or planet forming, okay. I guess maybe would be the generic term for it, but man, i don't know that seems seems a little, little if you're looking
0: for a reason to hate something, then you will find it <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't see the badge move.
1: I know, right? Like, come on. He, they, they call out a couple of other things on there, but you know, I just thought that that was a little petty. I mean, yeah, we've yeah. we've watched aliens who don't know humans well use colloquialisms in Star Trek for a very long time because you know we're the ones
0: watching Star Trek, and mm-hmm. I mean, all Star Trek aliens are fairly humanoid, but with a different forehead, basically. So. <laughs>
2: if they told me all the four like forehead of the week characters were just a different species that earth evolved into at one point i yeah Yeah, i i would completely believe it i'd be like yeah "Yeah, all right
0: earth Uh, plant you know explorers from planet earth went to a various planet and made love with its native species and now we've got humanoids with weird foreheads and that's that tracks for what I know of planet earth and humankind. Mm -hmm. I was
1: kind of hoping that maybe we would see some more of the complex aliens, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, Like we, you know, we have, we we have little bits of that. Like we have Dr. Tiana on on lower decks. And then we, we did have an alien in episode two or three. I'm drawing a blank right now, but um, you know, I was hoping maybe we'd get to see a little bit more, you know, let's show me some Gorn. You know, we hardly ever get to see Yeah. Humanoid.
2: Yes, please. They
0: can, they can pull that off very easily. Right? You know, I think
1: that this is a good opportunity to show us so Stolians again. Show us some more Tholians because they're not humanoid either. Or, hey, bring Species 8472 in. Like, those CGI models on Voyager <laughs> don't look good, but it'd look fine on animation. Yeah. You know? That uh, would this, work. Right? It's a good opportunity to, like, bring in some of these more complex species. But, you know, hey, what are you going to do? Maybe we'll get w- some.
2: It would be really cool if they could bring in people in the background as officers, people you wouldn't expect. Like, I think I would like jump at the screen, maybe, you know, have a voluntary or involuntary reaction physically if I saw a Cardassian walking around behind them in a uniform, like yeah. in a Starfleet. I'd be like, whoa. Whoa, that needs an explanation, but that would be fun. Like, I think my favorite part of this whole TV show is the fact that you, if you, the background is just as interesting as the foreground.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have seen more Klingons. There are definitely more Klingons in Starfleet now than just Worf. Yes, uh, which is kind of cool. So you know, but I was hoping, but yeah, we would see more more Ferengi that follow in Nog's footsteps.
2: Mm-hmm. For
1: example, would be would be pretty cool, you know, or. You know, this is a good opportunity to have more. I know we've seen an Andorian, but show us just some more. Just give give me some more of that. This is your big opportunity to make you know the cantina type scene, you know, on on a cheaper budget because it's it's
0: animation. So yeah, give us that diversity.
1: But uh, but yeah, all right. So let's let's wrap this up. We're kind of meandering a bit at this point. Uh, Next week we will be back, of course, to discuss episode five of star trek lower decks and i'm going to pull up the title of that episode here because this episode's title was moist vessel i have to keep saying it for anybody who's playing the was it game. what
0: was what was today's episode moist vessel okay okay
1: yeah uh i actually told imdb doesn't have episode five's title which is kind of interesting uh um, oh, weird I, I assumed it would be out i'm checking memory alpha here real quick Memory Alpha doesn't have it either. So we're stuck with Moist Vessel then, part two, next, next week.
0: <laughs> That's what's coming up, yeah. <laughs> Moisture Vessels. Ooh,
1: I like it. <laughs> the moistest vessel. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: all
1: right. But we'll be back next week to talk episode five of Star Trek Lower Decks. And next week is our 100th episode here on Red Shirts and Runabouts, which is pretty cool and pretty exciting. I'm happy about that uh, to yeah. finally hit triple digits here. After. Halfway
0: through the second animated series, we will hit episode 100.
1: Yeah, that's a good feeling. And I'm glad you guys will be here with me.
0: So Same. I don't have to celebrate
1: alone I've, in the depths I've, of
0: space. I've been on at least a dozen of the 100 episodes.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, you see, so you, I mean, we we you were on almost all of the movie review episodes that's true that's right. true you know so i think we did really uh, we of did
0: those. We did short treks together there you go
1: right so we you've so. you definitely been on double digit, digit episodes at this point yeah so yeah all right but we're gonna call it so let's do this so ray if people want to reach out and talk to you about star trek or superhero movies or whatever it is that you crazy kids are talking about these days how might they find you
2: i'm at siren ray
1: and zach if people want to talk to you about nerdy type things how might they find you
0: uh at avenger zs on twitter perfect
1: and i'm of course at the star trek dude on twitter facebook and instagram you can find the show red shirts and runabouts at red shirts pod on twitter or HeroesPodcast.com. we're part of the heroes podcast network you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Spreaker, Podcast Addict. You can stream it from our website. Find it wherever you find your podcast. And I'm just going to ask you to leave us a review. If you go to Apple Podcasts, go to Podcast Addict. Leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. If you do, we will read your review on the show. And good or bad. And if it's too bad, maybe we'll we'll poke fun at it a little bit. But we will <laughs> we will reference it. On the show, I promise you that if you do that. So, join our Facebook group, which is Redshirts and Runabouts. Facebook.com/group/RedshirtsandRunabouts. We're doing lots of fun stuff in there. We talk lower decks, Picard, Discovery, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, the original series, all the movies, every timeline. Doesn't matter what it is. Memes and polls and news. Come talk Star Trek with us. Otherwise, we will catch you next week. Live long and prosper.